Welcome to the Dental Amigos Podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be talking, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul. It's good to have you here. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Here we are. Brand new season. Season two. Season two. Still talking about associate agreements, Paul. However, we're uh, flipping the coin, so to speak. And we're going to discuss uh, associate agreements from a practice owner's perspective. Yeah, what they should be thinking about. Yeah, so season one, got into it from more of the associate side, um, but now talking about it from the the practice owner side. And I'll say at the outset, as I've said a few times, uh, there's still going to be good content here that's relevant and relatable to associates. It's always nice to know what the other other team's playbook says, Paul, right? That's an advantage. I think sometimes I like gets it. you in trouble, or if you steal signs yeah, yeah, in exactly. an NFL game, I think you, I think you get, you get suspended. And no fine. Eagles have ever done that. No, no. <laughs> uh, there's some team in New England yeah. I think, that used to do that a lot, uh, and same thing in baseball. But um, that's legal, I believe, right. in the uh, practice owner associate world. So it's good to know where the other person is coming from. As with any relationship, right? You know what their expectations are that yeah. makes you a better partner in whatever transaction or relationship. For sure. So uh, we're going to kick it off with uh, the topic of when to bring on an associate, which is, I know, a uh, topic near and dear to your heart. I see lots of great posts and seminars and webinars and CE events, Paul, that you talk about this issue. Uh, And I think you've got a lot of great insight, and I will try to... uh, piggyback and jump sure. in when uh, when Love I see the, the opportunity. So um, let's just start with that, Paul. When do you bring on an associate? To, to pull back for a second and talk broad picture, and we'll talk to the dentists out there. You know, many of our patients will say to us, I wish I did this sooner for a lot of reasons. So when to bring on an associate? You know, do you want an associate? Do you need an associate? Is your stress level so high? We'll talk about the difference between proactively and reactively bring on one. But I think if you're a practice owner listening to this, the when is when you want to share the dental work in your office with someone else, when you want to share the dental work in your office with someone else. And I'll just kind of deepen that understanding, Rob. That could be from a mentorship perspective where you say, hey, I've been a dentist for 15 years. I really want to share with another dentist the dental work in this office. Maybe I've developed skills like doing sleep apnea, implants, or specialty work. And there's a lot of this. I do want to share this, Rob. People call it bread and butter dentistry. There's no, no one eats that anymore. What okay? is that? Kale and quinoa dentistry, right? Bread and butter is a treat, but it's from the 50s, right? You're at a wedding and you'll have two, two rolls, right? So maybe that the fundamental kale and quinoa dentistry in your practice doesn't excite you as much. You say, I want to share dental work with someone else. So I think it's key. And I think this actually would fit for any field, especially, you know, I'm thinking of the solo dentist. We can talk about who brings on associates, but when is a solo dentist ready 
to share that dental work with another dentist in their practice. And that's an emotional thing. It's a financial thing, which we can dig into. It's a physical space thing in the office. It's a managing team expectations. But I think if you're driving, listening to this, working out, listening to this, or thinking, I'm a practice owner. Am I ready to share the dental work in my office with another dentist? Because for the past 10, 20, 30 years, I've been doing it all by myself. Right. Now, I mean, there's a clinical aspect to that, but we're going to talk about money too. You're not just sharing uh, the dental work with somebody else. You're also sharing the proceeds of that dental work, right? And so we've talked about this a lot of times over the last few years. The pie is the pie. And the day that you hire the associate, the pie did not become bigger. Exactly. Such a good point. I, I like pizza just as much as nachos. And I think what's the fundamental thing, which is if you're thinking of hiring your first associate and you're not okay with making less money, don't hire your first associate because the pie doesn't magically grow as you talked about. When you're hiring an associate, think whether it's someone new out of dental school, new out of a residency, they need work to keep them busy to learn their their craft. They need work so that they feel like they're part of the team. And basically, if it's like eight pieces of pizza, Rob, you're sharing two pieces with them. Right. Right. At least, right? And that's going to come at a profitability cost, but it might be awesome for your sanity and awesome for your stress level. And I talk about proactively bringing on an associate, and that's something you talk about with your advisors. You talk about with your family and say, hey, I've been the solo chef at this dentisting restaurant for the past 5, 10, 15 years. I am ready to bring on a sous chef associate. What this means, family, what this means, advisors, is that if I made $350,000 last year, I'm probably going to make... $75,000 less. Is that okay with everybody at the table? And I think sometimes you're saying it so you hear it yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. No, that's a good point. And look, I mean, over time, it's possible the pie hopefully will get bigger. Right. So I I know let's not just say that. I would just think of the first year. Think of the first year really Mm -hmm. investing into getting this thing to even Steven. And then I think after that, you've created a new business model where the associates actually help most of the time. Right. But for the first year, I just think you have to embrace, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your own self, whether it's with your financial planner, that this associate's going to be a cost. But if you think of a cost, it's an investment in the practice. I love that term, yeah. investment, because right. that's really what it is. You know, it, and the first year, maybe you're making less, right. but it, like all investments, you know, what is the return on that investment? You're hoping that over time you will make more money or that associate yeah. will be able to take on more responsibility, require less supervision, right. mentorship, you know, and then that's the ROI, the return on right. that, that investment. But like we're saying, you have to be realistic going into it, especially right. in year one, that, yeah, I'm going to have to take a little bit of a of a haircut, perhaps, the quote unquote, right. the investment, so that it pays off in the future. Uh, and what I think is important is there's no way to get to where you want to go without bringing on another dentist. And when I say where you want to go, this is somebody who maybe wants to teach one day a week, maybe wants to do a hobby one day a week, maybe just doesn't want to go into their practice as much as they used to go into their practice. So this is the, whether you call it profitability pain, you can't skip that step, right? So whenever you're ready to engage in that step, and that's why I talk about proactively, we'll talk about reactive in a second, but that's like, you know, use a Rob Montgomery term, that's purposeful planning with your team and being authentic. I mean, if you feel burnt out, it's a very normal feeling to feel as a solo 
business owner of any kind, but let alone a dentist. I mean, Rob, I'm just, you know, I know you want to go to dentist fantasy camp, but there's dentists right now who are very successful. I say, is being successful too stressful? I mean, they're at their office from 8.30 to 4.30, answering all the questions, seeing 12 patients, checking 23 hygiene patients. It's a lot of people to process. No doubt. It's so many people to process that are face-to-face with you. It's really important for anyone who works with dentists to understand that the acute intensity, which is my word for stress, is that your customers are six inches away from your face and they don't want to be there. And yeah. when you're seeing 46 of them in a day, year 12 into your career, that's like a running back who runs the ball a lot. It starts to head up. Right. You only have so much time in the league when, when yeah, there's certain exactly. positions, right? If you get you get hit 50 times uh, yeah. in a game, you're not you're not in it for 15 years. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And this is another issue, I think, you know, which we don't really have on our agenda, but something that we'll, we'll just touch on now and get into in a later episode, which is you may want to bring on an associate at a time of your career when you're thinking this might be the potential buyer, the transition right. plan. You yeah. Know, so it depends where you are, as you like to say, in your dentisting life. Right, exactly. You know, different points of time, you may have different motivations or reasons. Yeah, you figure to, out to what fits. That. And it, you know, testing out this process, it may not be with that associate because that associate may not want to buy in with you, but at least you have created a structure in your practice. This is what I just think is a valuable point, Rob. Once two dentists work in a practice, it's different than one dentist. And it might sound just overly simplistic, but the whole thing's different, right? I get it. Different to the patients, Mm -hmm. different to the team. And when you create that, you start to create some flexibility in your own life that wasn't there before when you were a solo practitioner. Mm -hmm. Right, right. That's an interesting point. I mean, and I see that in my business too. I mean, the 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 person, the first person in that in that position creates that that job, you know, and then but after that initial pain that job exists. Right. And so the next person's able to step in. And we talked about this in the uh, the associate-focused uh, uh, season in the episode about, you know, knowing, like, or is there already an associate in the practice? And if, if and the answer is yes, well, then, you know, that's a good thing to be replacing somebody right. that's moving someplace because you know the, and the systems are in place, the production's there, the, yeah. the patients are there. You know, being created- the first one is tough. And that's why if you're the first one on either side, you just have to go into it with eyes wide open. You know, one of our past guests, Dr. Todd Fleischman, when I met him, I said, you need an associate. I don't need one, Paul. I said, you need an associate because I could see something he couldn't see. He was incredibly successful, great practice, but there was more than what he could handle. I could sense it. And now he's hired an associate through my help three years ago. And I always say to him, when you know, you as you you joke with friends, do you ever want to go back to not having an associate? He goes, oh, no way, Paul. You are 100% right. I wish I did it sooner. So he probably How would often say- do you remind him of that? Yeah, part? quite often. I do. Yeah, I like to remind him more. Having <laughs> margaritas, so. I say. Yeah. And and um, I do it so that he inspires someone else to do it because you know he did it more reactively than proactively, more where his stress level was higher than he probably wanted, more where probably people around him could see like, hey, Todd could use some help. But you know, dentists aren't good at asking for help. People aren't in general, but especially yeah. dentists. The thing I'll kind of say next is what does reactively mean to bring on an associate? That means something has happened where you could be injured. Your spouse could have to work on a day you need to be with your kids, right? You may have gotten some other business opportunity you can't turn down. And what I'll share, Rob, is when you're reactively bringing on an associate, just like when you're reactively doing anything, it's often not a good spot to be in because there's a lot of pressure. Sometimes you have to fill a need. Like, I mean, you know, let's just say your spouse's schedule changes and now you can't come into the practice on Fridays and you need somebody in a month, right? Bringing on an associate with that kind of pressure creates 
a whole different energy around it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's challenging to find the yeah. right person. You know, with a deadline, you're back against the wall. So again, you're looking at the differences between being proactive, right. planning in advance before it gets too late, and being reactive where right. you know the house is on fire now. Yes. Now what am now I going to do? Now where's a fire extinguisher? Right. And that's where you know some of the things I would encourage our listeners to think about is. Uh, how far you booked out for some of your major procedures? You know, how far can, can can someone get a crown in the next six weeks? If the answer is no to listening, you're at a busyness level that might not be good for your sanity. Because if someone comes to you with, I mean, you know, Rob, you you become such close friends, and I don't know if someone needed a asset purchase agreement to buy a practice, and you said next time I can talk to you is two months from now. You don't like doing that. I mean, it, it's just not it's not what we want to do. When we help people, right? It's not about money. It's not about profit. It's like this person is coming to me with a problem. In the dental office, Rob, we've diagnosed this problem at the hygiene visit. And we say, hey, Rob, this tooth would benefit from a crown. And you say, okay, I'm on board. When can you come in? Not for seven or eight weeks. It becomes a stress to the practice. Yeah. Well, it's not good because you've built this whole infrastructure right. to get them to come to your office, right. to put them in the position to diagnose and treatment plan for yeah. this next you know, this treatment, now you're not able to deliver that, then all the time and resources that you put into putting right. this infrastructure in place was somewhat wasted because, you know, there, there are holes in the wall, so to speak, right. you know, and, and it's just, you know, or let's use another analogy. I mean, when the bucket is overflowing, it's right. not, you know, it, it's not the fact that you built that bucket doesn't really help you anymore. A hundred percent accurate. And dentists really, you know, when I say dentists are too good of people, I don't mean this in a, in a, a judgmental way. When we have emergencies, I don't know how many law emergencies happen each day, but there's quite a bit of dental emergencies because people eat three meals a day. So if you have 2,000 patients, Rob, and they're eating their three, three meals a day, that's 6,000 meals uh -huh. where something out there in the, in the, in the universe, someone's right. going to say, I broke this tooth, I did this. So when they call up your office and say, you know, I'm, I'm Sally, my tooth is broken, it's hard to turn them down. It really is. Oh, so yeah. then you kind of stuff them in, but then that becomes a problem for everyone. I mean, we, you know, burnout has become a popular term. I can't diagnose burnout, but I can di diagnose extreme annoyance, right? So yeah. like, if you're in a dental office and you even see my brother, Jeff Goodman on certain days, like, you know, the whole schedule's full, someone comes with two emergencies, but we have associates in place to help with this. If you are the only dentist standing, it's all on you. And I mean, in a very poignant way, and we've had stuff, you know, people talk about mental health on our podcast in the past, it can be very difficult on your your sanity, on your emotional health to yeah. think I'm the one person who has to solve 62 problems a day. So, you know, bringing on an associate brings on a licensed problem solver. I, yeah. I bet you if I pitched that to people, Rob, I said, do you want to bring on a licensed problem solver? They go, yes, what's that? I go, that's another dentist. They go, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, right, right. Is a special consultant? Yeah, nope. nope. <laughs> yes. it's a dentist. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're great points. Um, so, uh, Paul, what is, you know, knowing your why? Why is that important? Knowing your why. Why is know, why important? Yeah, I, mean, I know these become the Simon Sinek's why, but really, is your why about stress? Is your why about mentorship? Is your why about growth? You know, I do Dennis Job Connect, which I'm super proud of. And I always say there's, you know, there's three types of customers for us. It's a solo GP that's stressed and has more patients than he or she could handle. It's a Paul and Jeff Goodman who might come to your dental lawyer and say, hey, we're going to buy another practice. And maybe you guys know us and say, who's going to work there? And we'll say, good question, right? We need someone to work mm -hmm. there. So it could be stress. It could be growth. And then, Rob, we talk about you know big groups. And sometimes big groups are not DSOs. They're just people who own 12 practices. And you know they need to are they going to bring on someone else to stabilize it, right? I mean, I think a lot of times we talk about sports. Dental offices don't really have deep benches of 
licensed providers. So what is your yeah. why? You know, I, I do find it to be hilariously uh, well-intentioned. Dentists are often trying to buy another practice before they have someone to work at the practice. And it just is mind-boggling to me, right? right. I go, who's going to work there? They go, I'll figure that out later. I go, I think you should connect with yeah. people first. Yeah. Because once you buy, you know, I've seen people do it, Rob. Maybe even your favorite clients think about buying some fixer-upper practice where you said, Paul, this was 10 years ago. This isn't a good idea. Yeah. And I think that, you know, knowing your why really is sitting. And it all goes back to building people around you who can tell you, good advice when you've lost your nachos and you know what this why is like for you because you know we talk about Gary Vee you've seen people expand and they're not happy when they expand oh yeah well let's mm. say that let's say what is the why not right you know, and this is what I see and I I can tell you personally I, I experience this in my practice and it's the same thing for dentists I think with with any professional practice I, I see a lot of times where people think I'm going to hire an associate because I want less work. Right. Now, maybe you have less stress of certain sorts, but you know I want to work less by uh, by bringing somebody else on. Well, when you hire somebody else and then try to grow the practice right. more to have patients for them, you grow the pie, so to speak. Yeah. You are growing the whole organization. For sure. Right? You now need more hygienists. Right. You need more assistants. You may need another admin person at the front desk. Yeah. You know, all this, you may need additional space depending on the situation. So it, it, I think it's somewhat, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's foolhardy might not be the right word, but uh, it's unrealistic yeah. to think that you can grow your business and have more time, right. you know, and less aggravation. There are some things that you're saying, like, hey, you know, this is going to relieve certain stress because you have another problem solver in the office. But understand at oh, the same so, time, so true. you got a lot more problems. Well, you, you know, you go to a gym and you exercise and you use a muscle you haven't used in a while. Now this is a totally new muscle. It's a management muscle that a lot of dentists just are not prepared for. You know, just to give a, you know, yesterday I got a great text from Mary's friend who said, I saw your associate. She was wonderful. It was a great visit. Those are awesome texts, right? Because now I think that's everything I want out of this. But then you get a lot of messages from patients that, you know, why did the associate recommend him a crown? You didn't recommend a crown. Usually they just would bring the annoyance to me in the operatory. We wouldn't have this whole other discussion. So now you have to be ready to manage a whole other provider. And you're 100% right. You can, it can relieve clinical stress by not having to use your to make as many clinical donuts. But now you're managing someone else making the donuts. And then also yeah. the success of this thing, like you said, is a bigger organization. It comes with managing more team members. It comes with being aware of things. And I think that dentist, Rob, if this is just a good point, when to bring on an associate, when you're ready to answer a lot of questions that have nothing to do with the work you do. So what happens That's is good. when you're a solo yeah. provider, which right. is your work, right? Whether you're the one cake maker, you know, it's your cake, right? But if someone else starts making cakes in your cake making dental practice, there's going to be questions about those cakes. So I think that you just, you know, that's why I encourage him. We have had so many great podcast guests on it and we produce CE on it and you've been part of it. You know, dentists should take management style courses before they do this as well. Yeah. You know, that's part of the when too. That's part of the why, you know? Well, you can certainly stack the deck by doing that. And if you yeah. don't do that kind of preparation, well then don't be surprised if you're going to learn the hard way. Right, yeah. Right. Because at some point you're going to have to learn and, and yeah. either you're, you're educating yourself or taking classes or seminars, or you're just going to, it's going to be trial by error. Yeah. So when right, things yes. go wrong, don't be surprised. Yeah.
Yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, one last uh, topic uh, on this one, Paul, is uh, I'd like to hear uh, when you talk about this, because I think it's a cool way to, uh, to look at it. Uh, is the associate position a car? Or a boat. I love it. It's one of my signature kind of kooky nacho things, but people have said to me, hey, Paul, I took a boat position, so let me explain. If I got up tomorrow and I said to my awesome wife, Mary, I'm going to go buy a boat, she'd say, why do we need a boat? So it'd be, I want a boat, right? right. I'm not going to do this, but I'm saying, that's an unusual would, thing to say. She would think you lost your mind. Yes. Yeah. If I said, hey, we do have a car, seven years old, I'd say, I'm going to go look at new cars. That would be a much more normal thing to do, right? Because mm -hmm. we need a car. So a car position is a need. It means that this practice, your why, your when, is I need an associate to make this organization function. Most of the time, Rob, this is the second associate, right? This is after you figured this out. So most of the time, the first associate is a boat. It is a want. You want this. Now, the one I'm sharing with our practice owners on this season is you have to really clarify this to the person interviewing, because if they need a full-time job where they make $160,000 a year with benefits and all these things, and you're offering them a boat position, if you don't bring this to life at the interview, you're going to have mismanaged expectations and a problem. So I want to share there's nothing wrong with a want associate position. Todd Fleischman had that, right? He hired someone one day a week. He had a guaranteed salary. He laid it all out for them. But too often I'm getting feedback from seekers saying this practice really wasn't busy enough for an associate. Because, you know, sometimes people are overly optimistic slash delusional and they say, we got plenty of work here. Right. And then no one asks enough questions like how far are you booked out for a crown? How many new patients are coming in? Right. That's a big part of it. So you just want to make sure, is this a need position? Do you have someone who's been there four days a week? They're leaving to become a periodontist. We really need someone to keep this functioning. Or is this a boat position without judging either one, but just knowing what lane you're in? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a great way to, to look at it. Uh, well, good stuff, Paul. Thanks for uh, for the insight, and hopefully, our practice owners have uh, given them something to think yeah. about before they dive into uh, the decision to bring somebody on. Because it is it is a lot of work, you for know, sure. and and there's a lot of time. There's overhead. You may be paying somebody to you know a headhunter or a finder fee, but that's almost a negligible cost. I mean, the real cost is your time to onboard these people, to train them, yeah. and to mentor them. And when you you spend that time, that make that investment, and it doesn't pan so out, true. you know, it's not good for them. It's not good for you either. Yeah, uh, because that's just that's. Wasted, I say you know, wasted wasted ask good questions to the people who you trust. You know, well, you just simple questions. Say to your own office manager, "What would you think if we brought someone in here two days a week and see how their face reacts?" They might say, "Oh, we should have done that years ago. You're way too many patients." Or we sh we're stressed out enough as it is booking the schedule for you, Dr. Rob. Maybe it's not the right time. And yeah. just get some general feedback, you know? You know yeah. So I think uh, hopefully we've done a, done a solid for the practice owners out there, give them stuff to think about. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you like the podcast, please go on uh, Apple and give us a five-star review. Yeah. It would be good. Or Google Play or wherever else you have the opportunity yeah. to rate the Dental Amigos podcast. Until the next time, thanks. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on the dentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www. 
orangelinemg.com. Till next time.